the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Seaward podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. I'm your host, Jess Root, from Cardswire.com, the USA Today NFL Wire site that covers your Arizona Cardinals. And with me is co-host Seth Cox from AvengeOfTheBirds.com, the US, not, not the USA, but the SB Nation Arizona Cardinals site, and also one of the hosts of the original break, Draft Breakdown podcast. We're episode 466, and would you believe it, after... A week after we speculated, when will the Cardinals actually win a game? They went and they go and do it the next week. Um, continuing the progress, they 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 should have won week one. They should have won week two, though they choked away week two. And then they got out to a big lead against Dallas and and, and did it. And in what was a an incredibly wacky weekend of football, right? We had we, there were so many big favorites like locked. Like should have been blowout wins by good teams over bad teams, and then the Colts, the Texans, and the Cardinals go and win outright. That didn't make that Sunday didn't make sense to me at all. No, but you have to look at it and wonder if maybe uh, Jacksonville's a bad team. Um, you know they have not. It took. You know we talked about the Cardinals' offense last year and and how slow they started, and and you look at. Jacksonville they went six quarters without scoring a touchdown like that's not that's not an expected thing when you spend all that money and in, in you know investments in, in the quarterbacks and receivers and you know it's interesting because the th- of the three you'd have to say the Cardinals win was the most unexpected and impressive of the weekend like Dallas was looking utterly invincible coming into this game and and yeah they they're missing a lot of up front and then you know they're they're injured and injury depleted but much to the chagrin of the broadcast so are the cardinals <laughs> where they were you know jonathan ledbetter's really the only starting interior defensive lineman they still have they're obviously without their best defensive player buddha baker and and it was kind of fine i mean you know we'll, we'll get into it but they they were able to stand up when it mattered and that that was on the goal line that was you know keeping keeping the cowboys out of the end zone and you know as simple as it sounds if you just hold teams to fill goals or failed fourth down conversions it's a lot easier to win games than trying to keep pace in the scoring aspect of things and and that's what the cardinals did and you know they did it well and now they're they're one and two and we don't have to speculate when they win their first game anymore, right? Right, right, and they and they picked up a win. So, like in our projection of how things are going to go, they they're already on track because uh, we both had them one and two at this point. We just neither one of us said that the. In fact, we both said that the Cowboys game was a no chance game, and they took no chance and and turned it into something. So let's we're, let's talk about like how in the world they beat the Cowboys. Um, we'll talk about Josh Dobbs. Uh, what where we are with him and our thoughts of him on the team moving forward, and then then kind of bounce around the question if we think the Cardinals are a bad good team or a good bad team. Let's start with how they beat the Cowboys. There was really no reason for them to beat the Cowboys if we look at kind of the stats across the board because first first of all, 
the Cowboys outgained them, 416 yards to 400. They have more first downs, 26 to 20. They are better on third down, 9 for 16. They rushed for 185 yards. Now the Cardinals outdid that with the rushing yards. They outpassed them. They outpassed them. They did have more penalties. They did have the one turnover, but they also dominated time of possession at 34 minutes to the Cardinals' 25. And yet the Cardinals won the game and never trailed. And it came down to basically, well, obviously the one thing for me, the big play came down to Kaiser White's interception at the end. But the fact that they were, that the Cardinals held them to one touchdown in five red zone trips, all in the second half, and held them, like, held them out of the out of the end zone on two goal to goal situations, um, and and the drive it's it's kind of the opposite because the the Giants last week went four for five in, in the red zone, um, scoring four three touchdowns. That what they what happened to them in the second half against the Giants they learned from and didn't do it. They didn't. In fact, like if we look at the second half, the, the Cowboys had four sure. second half possessions. All four of them got inside the 10. Yeah, and they and only we, allowed six points. Right. And, and we talked a little bit about it before the show, you and I. And we, I mean, we will, as fans, take a win anyway. It comes uh, a little bit surprising, but I think you and I were both kind of mystified just by what the Cowboys were doing or not doing like i i talked about it with you I, I wrote about it the cowboys after the cardinals scored in, in in a great in a great fourth quarter touchdown drive it was it was very few plays right one two three four plays they scored a touchdown in four plays uh you know coming off that huge pass to to michael wilson from josh dobbs um Ironically enough, then they run the ball up the middle for no gain, right? And 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 that kind of and that kind of you you go, oh no, are they going to have to settle for a field goal and only be up eight points, you know? But um, they scored, right? Seven twenty-two left in the game. The Cowboys decided that, well, you know, seven twenty-two left in the game. We just need to run the clock off, get a touchdown get an onside kick, get another touchdown, and, and walk out of Arizona with a win, right? Because, I mean, I guess they could have gone. No, they, there was no way because they were down 28-16. to 16, So, like, yeah. they had to get two touchdowns, and, and they were just so nonchalant it's, about it's it. Like, honestly, it's like McCarthy completely overlooked the Cardinals and said, yeah, we've got this. Well, and it was almost like they were up twenty-eight to sixteen. I mean, they got the <laughs> yeah. ball with they got the ball with seven twenty-two left, and Dak threw that interception with three oh five left. They they ran four minutes of offense off the clock, like or f- four minutes of time on offense off the clock. Like that was literally just handing. Like even if they scored a touchdown, they're still and and you know they're down twenty-eight to twenty-three. They still have to get an onside kick or kick deep and get a stop because they had three timeouts. So they could have done either or. And and it just like I don't know, man. It was it was kind of crazy to me that that's how they went because you look at it and on that drive, their last the last time they had the football, 
down 12. Um, they just straight up acted like they had no hurry in the world. Like it was no big deal. They could, they could take their time. Um, it was for them. I'm looking at it right now. They ran 13 plays. 13. I mean, we're talking about a team down two scores. And eight of those were runs. They ran the ball eight times. It's keeping with the game plan they've had all year. And and maybe it maybe it's just simply this is that Mike McCarthy is looking ahead to their bigger games and isn't willing to sacrifice some surprise that they are dedicated to running the football. I, I, but it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, but it doesn't. And, and the thing is, and like, I, I get where you're saying, I get where you're coming from, but like, this is a game in the scheme of things that you couldn't afford to lose because you look at what Philadelphia is doing this year and, and kind of just, meat grinding out wins i mean i know they only won by by five and then only won by six and then last or last night you know we're recording tuesday they they beat tampa by 14 but like you look at their schedule the rams you know what looked like something early hasn't really come to fruition the jets are awful now you know just due to injury and and so yeah dallas plays them twice but like are you are you willing to put in your hands that you have to beat Philly twice to like retake the like all of a sudden you're you're down in the division I mean that and not just that but like you look at the the playoffs and and I know it's week 3 I know it's week 3 but like you don't want to be the team that's sitting at at the what is it now the eight spot which is i think what they're at in the playoff contention on the outside looking in because you lost to the arizona cardinals <laughs> in week three like that's that is 100 percent the type of loss that comes back in at the end of the season right and you go god if we just would have taken arizona more seriously like maybe we would have won and and i talked about it the week before when we talked about new york right like and, and obviously they won, but I was I was really surprised that they held Andrew Thomas out. Now obviously it's more serious because he didn't even play against against the the 49ers, but like these are games you have to have if you're considering yourself a good team or competing, you know, in the NFC East, which is looks like, you know, a great division, or or you know, if you're Seattle or or Tampa or New Orleans or one of those teams that is going to be in a fight like within your division. You can't afford a loss to the Arizona Cardinals, who by all intents and purposes look like a team that should be picking in the top ten. And and just a just a game plan and and come out that way and then in the game that way. I mean, you and I joked about it. I I said, you know, hammer Tony Pollard's over 71 and a half. Oh, he cleared that. <laughs> he cleared that real easy. But at what cost? I mean, did he really need 40 be to feel like they needed more from from everybody else? But instead, it was 
you know, it was, Hey, Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard. And like, I just, I genuinely don't understand what their game plan was and why they looked at like, Hey, let's keep her on the ball. Like, like I said, when they were down 21 to 13 on that initial drive in the fourth quarter, okay, that that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But when they kicked a field goal and it just cut it to 21, 16, like something needed to click in McCarthy's brain of like, Hey, we, we got to go now. Like this isn't just a run the ball type of thing. And especially when the Cardinals went down and scored a touchdown to make it a 12 point game. And we're sitting here going, all right, they can't blow 12 points in seven minutes, right? Like that's too much for even <laughs> this, this iteration of the Cardinals. Oh, well, hey, it's interesting. Interesting. And I, I, I understand that the Cowboys were down some players. So defensively they lost Trayvon Diggs. That's tremendous. And then they were down, they ended up being down Zach Martin and Tyler Biotish. Um, Tyron Smith wasn't 100%. And who knows, maybe, and they definitely ran the ball well enough. So it, did they not trust? Did the they really not? Line, yeah. Did they not trust the offensive line to protect Dak? Do they not trust Dak in, in that situation to, to throw the ball when that's what but, Dak has done through his career? Because they've got the playmakers for sure. Well, and let's just be honest. If you don't trust your team in that, or or your quarterback in that position, then then you're not a Super Bowl contending team. Right. Like that's so, just that's just the reality of it. So, what do you think? The do you think that the Cardinals more won that game, or that the Cowboys more more lost it? That it was more about how the what the Cardinals did than what the Cowboys didn't do. No, I thought it was about what the Cardinals did. I mean, you can only and let let's be honest, you know, uh, you can only compete against what the other team's doing. And if they're willing to run down the clock as much as the the Cowboys did, which again was just inexcusable, um, and then that's on them. But let's be honest. I mean, sixty two and a half percent completion percentage from Dak Prescott. That's not good anymore. It's just not like. If you're completing less than 65% of your passes in the NFL today with how the game is played with the short throws and things like that, it's just not, it's just not a good process. Your process is bad. And that's what we saw from Dak. I mean, you, you have a guy that was, I mean, 40 attempts for 249 yards. He had 60 more yards on 20 more attempts than than josh dobbs um nobody is going to look at the cardinals receivers and go you know go hey i'd take marquise brown and uh and michael wilson and Rondell michael moore. wilson and rondell moore over cd lamb michael gallup brandon cooks and you know and and so that's just kind of what it is like we we talked about it like our our two positions the last two weeks that we felt and and darren waller is 100 percent the better uh tight end but you know we weren't sure what his health status was and things of that nature uh the the two positions were running back in tight end and and when if you would have told me that tony pollard would outgain james connor in this game you and i both would have gone oh the cardinals lost by two touchdowns yeah three like tony pollard ran for 122 yards and and rico dowdell came in and had a, a you know a good game like we would have been like oh yeah the the cowboys won that game like 
it is what it is. Like we're not surprised by any means. And instead it was the opposite. It was like, Holy cow. They, uh, they came back. They, or they held on, they won, they controlled the game. And, and you know, that's just the reality of it. Like when you have an efficient attack and you've got, and it, I don't want to say never because never is a strong word, but you're never going to see a, a team that's a, that has three guys over 50 yards rushing. Like that's just that's just not something that happens. <laughs> well, very often. that that was the thing is that they got such big plays. That one thing that they were this methodically bleh against Washington, they showed some explosiveness. I mean, you had the six like they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven plays that went for 20 yards or more. That's that is very and that that was with. This iteration of the Cardinals offense with Joshua Dobbs at quarterback at the 69-yard pass to Michael Wilson. He had the 45-yard run from Rondell Moore. My goodness, he <laughs> looked fast on that. Dobbs, 44-yard run. You have the... And he looked slow on that. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, like, we're going to talk about Joshua Dobbs in a bit, but I, I am impressed. He's even... To me, he's even better than what Brett Hundley, and I, I think Brett Hundley would pro- probably would have been a good comp, but he's he's doing even more than Brett Hundley. I'm one we'll talk about, but the, the Cardinals were doing explosive things offensively, rather, well, and and then and they were and they and they did great in the red zone. And I don't know if the Cardinals can sustain that sort and expect to hold teams to one touchdown in five red zone attempts. You you don't want to do that. No, you don't but, want to take those chances. But maybe that's the best we can expect with this unit the way it is. Especially, I mean, that defensive front. It's a bunch of guys you've really never heard of. <laughs> like, right. Now, they they bring up Ray Lopez. And, and while he started a bunch of games in the league, I'll tell you this. I didn't know anything about Ray Lopez before last weekend. No, and, and that's just, I mean, again, it's, you know, I talked about it last week and, and – it just the reality of the lack of talent came up. But like I said, I think I think it's one thing when that talents and I don't want to say they weren't prepared. That's that's you know, that makes it sound bad. But the reality was, you know, you don't plan on having to play your your last defensive lineman, right? Like that that guy's kind of a break in ca- break glass in case of emergency person. And that's where they got to last week. And and you know, it's just it's one of those situations now that, you know, and Rallis talked about it today that they're preparing for every situation now. They they realize like, oh, you know, we talked about it. The tank isn't about like them not bringing in talent. LJ Collier was a good player. Uh, Carlos Watkins was a good player. It was the fact that those are probably NFL backups or rotational guys. And then, so then the reality was behind them were fringe roster guys at best. And now those are your starters. And that's kind of where the tank was. But I've just been blown away by the preparation of these guys, especially along the defensive line. Because like you said, I mean, they got great play from Chris Barnes. Who knows if he'll be healthy this week? You know, we saw Ezekiel Turner. Um they they've gotten just outstanding play from from guys that realistically and I don't 
mean this to sound negative, but probably just shouldn't even be in the NFL. I mean, <laughs> like, and and so to get play from guys like a Ben Stilley, like um, I'm just looking at the you know the amount of snaps these guys played. You know, so Blood better Led, played fifty. Then, yeah. then after that, it was fairly Ke- evening. Fotu and and strong around thirty five, thirty six. And and then you had Stilly and Stills and Stills that put what was it, in the high twenties. Uh, Stills got to thirty three and Stilly got to twenty seven. That's what I'm saying. Like we we both really like Dante Stills. We're excited about his ability or an opportunity that he may have. But that's you know later this year, next year, and now he's forced into play. And you're just like you're like this is not a dude that should be playing that much. Just flat out shouldn't be playing that much and and again you have two more sacks from this this ragtag bunch of guys yeah yeah one of them was uh zavin collins basically being unblocked on a on a naked boot that didn't come to fruition uh victor de mckagey two and a half sacks through three weeks yep and and you know Demikaji's playing well. I think Cameron Thomas is playing really well. He, I mean, he, they're he just made impact plays in the red zone, like on two consecutive plays. And and then they had to they had to finish that game without Zayvon too. Right, and and that's what makes me laugh. You know, is Cowboys fans have spent all week lamenting the missed calls, and I'm like, one of the Cardinals' top players on defense, Zayvon Collins, literally had to leave the game for an uncalled hands to the face where he got poked in the eye like <laughs> like missed calls happen man that's just part of the game it's part of it's part of all of this and i don't know it's just it's crazy to me that this is where we're at because you and i have talked about it like the the realistic expectation for this team is is low and to see them play this well through you know these games is just it's encouraging it's It's really encouraging it's really encouraging and it it tells you that through all the minutiae of the offseason where you and i i mean this will be one thing you and i can pat ourselves on the back for we never fell into the like oh jonathan gannon and his his rah-rahness you know or whatever and like all this and that and the others it was like I was like, no, he's a good coach, man. Like, he's just, you know, he's a different cat, and he's a guy that, you know, is it does things a little differently, and and it, it, we'll see if it works. And and through through three games, it's working, and it's because he's trusting what has to be early in the process the best coaching staff the Cardinals have probably had since 2015. It, got, it, it does feel that way. It feels that way because of just how I, I'm going to describe. They are very into, and I, I, I hate to sound like other coaching staffs are not as intentional, but they are so detail driven. They are so intentional about everything that they do. Very, very open. And the fact that Gannon goes in the team meeting and will even bring up things from the coaches' mistakes and say, "Hey, we did these things wrong. This is what should have happened instead." It's accountability across the board. It is everything is done intentionally 
There are, it's every detail is thought through rather than just go be, pro, be professionals. Don't go be professionals and do all this stuff. And we have expectations about this, about this, about this, and about this. I love it. I, I, I really like it. And the fact that they've, you know, the two precincts and ones were, were something, but to pick up an, a, a win early in the process against a good team, a perceived good team, it, 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 it just adds, it basically, it, it's, it's money in the bank for when things get tough because they played competitively the first, it's easy to be competitive at the beginning of the season. Even, even, even when you're not good, it's easy to compete. It's easy to buy in early. It's going to be tough later in the season, but you know, that, that money in the bank that you get from a win that you had over Dallas, or if you can knock off another team in the next few weeks. And, and and then when Kyler gets back, um, that money in the bank goes a long way in terms of that trust factor that they have, that this process is, is good. Yeah, and and that's the thing is like you know, like you said, they're not necessarily like the win this weekend didn't make any sense. Like, and I just wanted to say you know say a couple stats: Michael Wilson and Marquise Brown outgained Michael Gallup and CD Lamb. It's five yards. That's it. Nothing big, but five more yards than than Gallup and, and CD Lamb. But then the next two guys on the list. Jake Ferguson and Rico Dowdell combined for an additional uh, 73 yards. James Conner and Rondell Moore combined for 22 more yards. James Conner, Rondell Moore, Keontae Ingram, and Zach Ertz and Trey McBride combined for 39 more yards so like Zach Ertz in the 30 31 and a half though that was a bad but I I got I got I took a bath well I took a bath with my props last week that was bad it was I mean but it was one of those things we expected them to that's what I said if you if we had this conversation we said Jake Ferguson uh Hunter Lupke and (laughs) and Peyton Hendershot outgained Zach Ertz and Trey McBride by um, almost, almost nine times, we would have been like, "Oh, the car! How much did the Cardinals lose by?" And then you you went in and said, "Oh, on top of that, uh, Tony Pollard had 122 yards rushing." We would have been like, "Oh man, this was a bad game for the car! Like they lost by two or th- three touchdowns because we you never expect to win a game where." where you have the advantage at running back and tight end and they, I mean, Connor played great. Don't get me wrong, but they get outproduced that significantly and you win a game. And so that just tells you like this team for all its warts, for all, for all its problems to see Michael Wilson and Marquise Brown out gain Michael Gallup and CD lamb. Like that's just, that just goes to show like they're not completely devoid of talent, but, they they're they're less talented but i would say much better coach than a lot of teams right now coming on next on the rise up series podcast best of cardinals talk on the web let's move and talk about the status of joshua dobbs and how he's playing that's coming on next on the rise up series we're back on the rise up series podcast best of cardinals talk on the web josh dobbs is a guy that you know, if you've been listening to this show for the last few weeks both of us questioned the move um, I can, I, I have to say that, but the coaches knew something more than we did in this case, uh, Dobbs in this offense 
has been not good, but has been very steady and and has improved each week. And, and, and I wrote about it. I think we can we can look at kind of what is happening is that he has just over the first three weeks of the season Drew Stanton slash Colt McCoyed himself into this coaching staff. Drew Stanton, you know, he was brought over in 2013 when Bruce, it was the first move that they made. But where he actually made his career was those starts in 2014 when he filled in for Carson Palmer and they were steady and they won a few games. And guess what? Drew Stanton was the backup there until forever. Like, And he even followed... He even followed um, Bruce Arians elsewhere uh, later on. But his career was made by a a handful of starts uh, in 2014 where he established himself. Colt McCoy did the same thing, three starts in 2021. And he earned himself, like, he he earned himself the status of, you know, he's Cliff Kingsbury's guy. And they went out and got Dobbs to our chagrin. And, well, and, and he's made plays. I, I didn't think that he had like I think he's he's played better than I could imagine that he's played and and but I mean basically I, I feel he's hit his ceiling each of the last two weeks I don't think you can get much better from him but I think he's now put himself in a position to guess to what he will be the Cardinals backup as long as he doesn't think he can start somewhere else which he shouldn't think he should do that no and and but you look at what he's done and you know somebody said it the other day and it was ironic funny i don't know what you want to call it uh, <laughs> but somebody said the other day you know if you're the tennessee titans wouldn't you probably rather have josh Dobbs than <laughs> than ryan Tannehill at this point like and and it's just you know we didn't expect a whole lot this is a guy that had never won a game in his career i mean that's that's a baffling statistic and i know there's a lot of people that argue that quarterback wins are not a thing but but they are to an extent. I mean, this is a guy that's that's played in before this season. He had played in uh, eight NFL games. He had started two. Um, you know, his two starts with Tennessee, less than sixty percent completions, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, he just—I mean—he wasn't very good. And this year, whether it's petsing whether it's the talent around him whether it's just a guy that at 28 is kind of having a a similar not completely same kind of resurgence as like what Geno Smith had getting into the right system it's been it's been fine and the reason I say fine is I mean completion percentage looks great 72 percent but he has 540, 549 yards and two touchdowns in three games. So he's averaging, you know, a, a lot less than 200 yards per game. I mean, he's averaging 183 yards per game. Um, he's been sacked five times in three games, which I think is good. I mean, that's that's good he for him. He hasn't turned the ball. He hasn't thrown an interception. He, he only turned the ball over the two times in the, it's in the second half against Washington, and he kind of cleared that up. He's playing just above game manager level it's it's kind of like it's it's 2021 colt mccoy he's playing just below that yeah and that's all that's all you ask for like backup right exactly now to the people who are going out the crazy like like get like stop 
no, Dobbs is Dobbs is like you think you like what Dobbs is doing in this offense, wait till Kyler Murray is healthy because Kyler Murray can make plays. Dobbs is Dobbs has made more plays than I thought he could. So he's surprised me. But you are not like this team with Dobbs wins four games, maybe. Yeah, probably just four. And so you look at it, this is, you know, he's played above our expectations. But he's also put himself in a position to be successful by not turning the ball over, not taking unnecessary chances. And then, you know, outside of the Michael Wilson play last week, he's also had, we, they haven't really had to ask him to make plays in, in big situations. Right. And I think well, that, and that, I'll give him this. That Michael Wilson play was, it was one that was well designed. Two, dude was wide open. Yeah, it was a complete. <laughs> I, I was I was talking to a Dallas guy, and how, he said, "You know, how does a guy end up wide out that that wide open, completely down the field is baffling." Well, it was just a coverage breakdown. Somebody the the corner on Wilson ran a zone coverage. The corner that was on, and I I assume it was Marquise Brown, but I don't know who was over there. But the corner on that the other side of the field was playing man and chased Marquise Brown across the field. And so it just opened the entire, you know, entire half of the field. And so, yeah, you look at it. I mean, that was 100% one of those situations where this team, you know, drew up a great play and it worked and it, and it ended up, you know, going for a big play in a big situation. Um, You know, the other thing is I think that you have a guy that, understands that I, I think for the first time there's really not a lot of pressure on him you know last year he was brought in in a in a bad situation to basically save Tennessee's season right like he had to he basically had to win them one game or else they weren't going to make the playoffs and like it or not that's just that's just an unfair situation for for any any player but especially a guy that's never had success in the league like you know if you want to say like a guy when like kyler murray right like as a rookie and and he's in that situation be like well this is what we drafted you for kid right but josh Dobbs was a what fifth round pick you know um and had basically for a late not, fourth round pick and he's a late yeah. fourth round pick and it had been a third stringer basically his entire career and so you know they asked they basically gave him the same responsibility that the cardinals are like hey don't screw it up and he didn't really screw it up it it was just that he wasn't good enough to make plays and and that's something we said like you know the biggest thing for the cardinals has been they haven't asked him to make a lot of plays and when they did they lost two games right like it it's not a it's not an ironic thing that when he's needed to make plays, they've lost games because that's just not what he does well, you know, and especially that first game when you're like, oh, this is the Josh Dobbs experience, right? Like he's going to he's gonna crap the bed. He's going to come up a little short, and it is what it is, and, and you can't, you know, I know people like to get mad at the player, but it's like, no, the player – didn't put himself in that position that you know as a as a man, general manager or or you know a, an organization you should realize that that's the limitation of Josh Dobbs and so if you're okay understanding that 
in situations when you need him to pull out a win, like they did in week one and unfortunately week two, it's not going to happen, then that's fine. But you can't get upset when he doesn't, right? Like, you can't be like, oh, I don't understand why he couldn't make this play. Well, <laughs> there's a reason he's on his fourth team and he's started two games before this year. Like, it's and like if a guy is good, if a guy is an NFL quality starter, trust me, he'll get a ton of chances in the NFL. We've seen it. You know, Geno Smith, Blaine Gabbert, like all these guys have had a Trevor ton of chances. Come on. <laughs> yeah. A, a ton of chances to start in the NFL. Dobbs hasn't. And that's because most teams look at it and go, they realize they're like, okay, he's he's fine as a backup, but he's not the guy you want running the show. And and that's fine because like you said, he's basically put himself in a position. I mean, and Drew Stanton was the same way, right? After after Stanton flopped in in Detroit he never got another shot to start in the NFL. I mean, he went to Indy. He was the backup. He, he went to Arizona. He's, he was the backup. Like yeah, though there was, was, he, he was going to be the starter for about a week. <laughs> right. <laughs> Until he traded for Carson Palmer. But, but you, I think you nailed it with that. Like that's an okay, that's okay role to be like, it's okay to be the like, Hey, if anything happens to Kyler Murray, you're a guy and we're okay with that. Well, because- especially when you find yourself in a situation where your coach, absolutely trusts you because Drew Stanton had the absolute trust of Bruce Arians and and he talked about it like and after Colt after his stint in, in 2021 he was he was cemented as the we completely trust you but with the you know the new coaching staff and and his arm strength proved otherwise but this is this is Drew Petzing slash Jonathan Gannon's guy now I I don't see like if he gets greedy if he gets because nothing about his play suggests he should have a starting job somewhere, but being the trusted backup uh, to Kyler Murray, I think it's a pretty dang good gig. And uh, we could see him for like, at twenty eight years old. We could see him for another four or five years. Right, and I know people would be like, "What about Clayton Tune?" It's like, well, you take. Eh, what about Clayton Tune? <laughs> you, you take chances on fifth round picks and see if they work out. I mean, if Clayton Tune's the biggest miss in this class, and you know, you get a starting corner and Keytrail Clark, and and you get a rotational defensive lineman and Dante Stills, and and you know, Tune's the one guy that you're like, oh, he didn't work out. And you're like, oh, that's a great draft class, right? It is, it is. Coming up next on the Rise of Red Podcast, this is our Cardinals talk on the web. We're going to talk about the question, what type of team are the Cardinals now? Are they a good, bad team? Are they a bad, good team? That's coming up next on Rise of Red. We're back on the Rise of Red Podcast, this is our Cardinals talk on the web. The Arizona Cardinals were expected to be a terrible team this year. I didn't expect them to be terrible. Seth didn't expect them to be terrible. Lots of people expected them to be terrible 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 through three games they have been anything but terrible and with Josh Dobbs at the helm they're one and two they should they should be three and that that the fact of the matter is they should be a three and they would be a fluky three and they would be a a, a, a fraudulent three and but they could and should be three and um although they're one and two so the question is Seth if you're looking at the team right now how they beat Dallas, uh, the way they like then they collapsed against New York. There's no no way to no way to avoid that. But would you call this team a good bad team or a bad good team? I think they're a good bad team. I think you look at it 
just from a talent perspective in that they, you know, like I said, they lack the high end talent. So if, if a good team, like, you know, they'll play this week in San Francisco is, is on their game. They're going to beat a team like the Arizona Cardinals. Like even with great scheme and things like the talent will eventually overwhelm them. Um, I think that they're a much better coach team than we expected or even had hoped for. And like you said, like they're so meaningful and purposeful with their coaching that it's really surprising to see how how well they're playing because they do lack that talent. So for those reasons, I, I you know I think that they're a a good bad team. And that's a frisky team that can win, you know, like I said, like we we said five to six wins all along, but that's a team that, you know, you could see win those five to seven games. And, and, and by the way, if they won four games, we wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, this is shocking. We'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> like that, the talent just got over, you know, overwhelmed them. Um, well, and we've seen, you can, you can have terrible, terrible teams win three games. Look at twenty eighteen; they won three games. They were horrifically bad. Right, exactly. But it's interesting because, like this version of the team right now, they're not a terrible team. And I think the only way you can describe them is a good bad team. So, of all the bad teams that exist in the league right now, there are there are a few that look bad. You feel like they are in a better spot than most. They're competing in every game. They they had halftime leads in all three um, and that just haven't been able to finish until this last week. And that's, you know, they're a bad team because they can't finish, but compared to the other teams, they're in a better spot. Now, how close are they for me to being a bad, good team? Replace Joshua Dobbs and put Kyler Murray in their place I think they move up a notch because then they you you, you have you've taken the talent level up a notch and then well, and I think you insert expectations then yes. too right and so you can start like you you can win games but they're probably going to disappoint cuz they're 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 going to play better without many better results but I think I think now the hope is is if they can tread water for however much longer that that they're going to be without Kyler and I'm still kind of eyeing week 6 is, you know, I know Kyler can come off PUP next week. Will he? If he does, Gannon suggests that he might need weeks. Two weeks is plural weeks, and I've been eyeing week six is kind of, kind of the week for that to happen. You get Kyler back, and he plays, you know, Dobbs level and better. This team's gonna win a few games, and and and, and I think you're gonna be at the, you might reach the level of a bad good team like not good enough they're not going to they're not going to be a playoff contending team but they're gonna hang around and be a problem so they're not good well i mean they're they're not bad but they're also not good so they they reach that next level i'm not not sure which is worse being a good bad team or a bad good team but it is moving in a direction that you wanted to do and 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 we hoped by the end of this season that they would be right at that, right at the door of competitiveness. Yeah, and that's and that's where they want to be, right? Like they want to be right at the door of of competitiveness and, and really 
um, competing this year so that next year you feel a little more confident in their ability and, and where they'll be as they continue to add talent. It's something you and I talked about before the show. It, it's why unless Kyler cannot play physically anymore, like just can't play when he comes back, that moving on from him doesn't make sense because you're basically giving up free agency again. I mean, like we talked about earlier, right? They they had to give up free agency in order to um, – Because they ate the contract. Of De- they basically ate the cap space for DeAndre. They, right. They ate the they ate the money for Colt McCoy. They didn't they didn't do cap savings moves like extending uh like extending Hollywood like we thought they would do and they did not make any splashes in the off season like their biggest splash in the off season was re-signing Matt Prater and adding Kaiser White. That I think that right. was like the biggest money they spent this year. Right. So I'm looking at it. So he is literally $81 million against the cap if they cut him. $81 million. Nope, can't do that. So, yeah. And, and, and I talked about this. Like, people think this is going to be easy to move off for Kyler Murray. If Kyler Murray's bad, you can't trade him. Who's trading right. for a bad? They, they saw. I mean, we saw RG3. RG3. If, if he's RG3, nobody's trading for that contract. The Cardinals have to eat it. They, so they can't, they can't, and what happens, what happens if they have Caleb Williams and Kyler Murray on the same roster? Right. That's, well, and, yeah. And you look at it, so if they cut him, it it takes their cap space from 60, uh, 67 million right now, so right around 70 probably, to 37 million. Like, I don't think people realize what that does. It also pigeonholes you in that you have to draft a quarterback. You can't go with Clayton Toon and Josh Dobbs next year. Like, And so all of a sudden, you're just basically saying, like, yes, we're going to be bad again in 2024, which is fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with that if that's the only alternative. But if this team is competitive like like we're saying you know and and this team is able to compete and and you look at next year and you say okay we want you know we're picking eighth ninth tenth with our pick and then that texans picks picking you know it doesn't look like it's gonna be number one it looks like the chicago bears are really really bad but uh you know they're picking top five somewhere and so you can you can either draft you know a guy or move down and get more picks, but all of a sudden you've got two top 10 picks that you're adding to this roster plus 60, $70 million in cap space to add talent. Like all of a sudden you're like, okay, this is a team that should compete for a wild card in 2024. And then in 2025, like that's when the step is taken. And all of a sudden you're, you're competing for the, the NFC West and things of that nature. And that's, that's how you have to look at this. Whereas like, again, if you, if you move on, outside of for the fact that he's just not good anymore, you're you're literally talking about the fact that this is a team that in 2024 is not going to be good again. And then you're you're looking at 2025 as that first kind of year back as opposed to competing in 2025. So like that's the 
that's the timeline you're looking at right now. And that's why, you know, whether it's like you said, like week six, or even if they push it to week seven or eight and, and they, they're, you know, two and two and five or, or two and six in that time. Um, and when he comes back and then they finish up, you know, seven and seven and 10, but they go five and four with Kyler. You're like, okay, this is exciting. Like this is a team that is heading in the right direction. And like you said, like they, they move from being a, a, a good, bad team to now they're just an average team that just lacks talent, which we we've known all along, right? Like right. that was never, <laughs> that was never the question. We were never like, Oh, this is a super talented team that, that should be competing. It was always like, Oh, <laughs> Jonathan Ledbetter, LJ Collier. And, uh, <laughs> and, and Lecky Fotus, your starting defensive line, like, oh, okay, like this is gonna be a rough year, but yeah. So just it it it's just hopeful. I guess that's the best way to put it, right? It's hopeful that this is going to improve. And you're looking at, you know, you mentioned Hollywood. You look at a guy like Hollywood right now. Do we expect him to be this? And, and it's not great. Like, I don't want anybody to think I'm saying like, oh, he's been great. But like, do we expect him to? be this productive through three games without kyler i mean it's just about 50 yards a game it's not much two touchdowns again it's not much but it's it's more than we expected right well i i, Do, I think the fact that we were expecting terrible nothing. play we were expecting yeah. no, <laughs> that that helps um yeah and then that's that's where we're at um a team that is they're they're bad. They're a bad team. They're they're an untalented. They're an under talented team, but they are overperforming at that, and that's that's kind of the perfect place. And for those who think that the Cardinals are secretly or or not so secretly tanking, would a general manager rooting for losses react as crazily as Monty Austin Fort did when players were coming off the field with that win? I know, right? <laughs> like, like he would like he would if he weren't committed to winning even this year he would have stayed up in the owner's box and just been like well this is ruining our plan <laughs> right well this is not what we have in mind <laughs> you're like yay a win but dang it so i mean it's just like i said like the production you're getting from connor i think that was the most expected but i also think it was it's interesting that it's been so good with how efficient he's been right yeah like well the fact he was so like two years ago he was volume but not particularly explosive last year he played better and this year it's been even better Um, and he's healthy he's healthy which has been helpful but and, and that's the thing is he's not going to keep this pace. But I mean, this is a guy that's on pace for 1500 yards rushing and over five yards of carry. Like that's genuinely unheard of, like r- over five yards of carry and to get like 1200 yards is, is really good. But like when you start talking 14 fit, like that, those are the things that I think are, are the unexpected. And that's, that's where you, you know, and it's something that, we've kind of hinted around but i you know we've never blatantly talked about is like it it starts to beg the question like if they do start to produce at a high level or or become a team that you look at and you go this is a good team um 
you know, how long are Drew Pexing and Nick Rallis even going to be around, right? Like, because this is like that, the fact that they're getting offensive production like they are, they're, you know, averaging five and a half yards per carry. Um, the fact that they're not turning the ball over, the fact that they're game planning to have success with, with Joshua Dobbs as their quarterback, and then the fact that they're having any type of success on defense with the ragtag bunch of guys that they are having, it just, it genuinely is been fun to watch. And, and, you know, we'll talk about it on Thursday. It all might come crashing down on, on Sunday, <laughs> right? But, but they have, they have done enough that the goodwill will be, Oh, that's not unexpected, right? You're playing, the team that's looked like the best team in the NFL in, in the San Francisco 49ers and, or, or maybe the second best team behind the Miami dolphins, right? Like you're playing the, the 49ers and you, you, you get beat badly. It's like, Oh, okay. That was expected. That's not surprising. Um, but also all of a sudden it's like, you know, can they cover that 14 point spread? And that's going to be, you know, what we talk about on Thursday, obviously. Yeah. But like the fact that we're even, <laughs> the fact that you and I are even having that conversation <laughs> right. after a lot last week, where we're both like, oh yeah, take the Cowboys and the points. Like, I, I I put took two bets on the Cowboys. I had them to cover, and then I had it. I took them at minus 16 and a half to get nice plus 140. Freaking, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy. But I went one for seven on my. Well, between my between my underdog bets, I went zero and three on my underdog shots um, for for Sportsbook Wire in the prop bets. I went okay. I went two for eight because I I I put I put a wager on San Francisco on Thursday night. Won that, but then the only bet on Sunday that hit uh, Sunday money that hit was was the was the CD Lamb over twenty three and a half for longest play. That was it. Yeah. The only one. Yeah. And and I'm I'm still cooking with kickers, so like, really. <laughs> I should I should listen to you. <laughs> with that, we will end this edition of the Rise Up Series podcast, Mister of Cardinals Talk on the Web. We will have our 49ers preview show show Thursday night with us. It'll hit Friday, and I will hopefully also have an, an, a, a 49ers guest. I'll hope uh, hopefully I can get Niners where Kyle Madsen, a friend of the show, on to talk about the game this coming up the weekend. That's Seth Cox. I'm Jess Root. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in a couple of days. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise Up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, Rise Up Sea Red. Rise Up Sea Red.